Hey everyone, producer and co-host Doug here. This is another con-exclusive episode. I hope you've been enjoying them. This one is a panel about the ghosts of Colorado and then an exclusive Q&A with Tomo Peniket from Dollhouse, Battlestar Galactica, and Supernatural. They have recordings of the vampires speaking to them when they went up there. But I think the best piece of investigation, and I'll, I'll just let you read this, was this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's science. But looking at how the vampire graves are qualified up there, um, because of the tree growing out of the grave coming from the stake, because of the thorny bushes coming from there, coming from their fingernails. So the question we had when we went up on our trip was, how many vampires are there? Because it seems that almost every grave there has a tree growing out of it. <laughs> um, probably not an entire cemetery full of vampires. But in our investigation, and I think Baxter's trying to communicate with the tree there, I'm not sure. You have to. Uh, batteries seem to do okay. But then again, in 25 years of doing this, how many times have we had the batteries die? All the times we didn't charge them first. <laughs> <laughs> that is really creepy. Uh, no odd electromagnetic fields. Uh, and that's another big claim is there's lots of weird EMF up there. Uh, not necessarily. No odd sounds. And admittedly, it's at a busy intersection. There's a lot of houses, a fire department across the street. It's a really busy area. So if you're in there in the middle of the night, which you shouldn't be because you're breaking the law, uh, there's a really good chance you're going to hear some strange sounds, maybe even people talking if the house is nearby. Uh, it seems that the current ghost stories are only coming from, well, what we like to call ghost hunters. We don't like to call ourselves ghost hunters. Because um, we're not. Exactly. And darn near every grave in there seems to have the same problem that the vampire graves do. Now, we did run into one thing interesting online, and it's, uh, well, I'll just show it to you. We have these field report findings that were kind of bizarre. So we look into it a little bit more, and here in the middle it says uh, Charles Argos and Michael Pizics were sent to the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Society. Us. Jack Charles Argos, Michael Pizics discovered that members of the RMPRS, an abbreviation I guess, uh, knew the fourth victim. Ginger, Brett, and Wendy, members of the RMPRS, at the office had several theories to offer about the local vampire lore and possible suspect, Eric Valentine. I had no idea what they were talking about. However, we do have some past members by the name of Ginger, Brett, and Wendy. This was disturbing me until I found out this is actually a scenario in an on online <laughs> vampire game. So we've made it into an RPG. We didn't know this. And on a fun side note, we've actually made it into a romance novel, too. <laughs> yeah. And we 
didn't know that either, but when you find your name inside of, and I'm not making this up, a Harlequin novel? Yeah. <laughs> Midnight Investigation. <laughs> yes, it is. Don't read it. Or if you yes, do, read the first You'll make the baby cry. <laughs> I cried just like that when I read it. Read chapter nine, it's the root one. <laughs> first two chapters are fine. Uh, the grave is the resting place of, well, we've got Theodore who died probably of influenza during the 1918 pandemic, and John, who died in 1918 of, well, pneumonia, could have been the pandemic, we don't know. Um, but they both died of natural causes, and the headstone may not actually even be where they're buried, because the headstone was added decades later. And this is it here. So. Just because we have a Hungarian and a Transylvanian, we have a vampire. Or not. Or not. Let's talk about we'll let you be the judge. Yeah. <laughs> talk about yeah, it. I would say a lot of people know about this one. Riverdale Road. Which has become really popular this year. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it varies in its popularity from year to year. It's kind of interesting. I remember about ten years ago it was really popular. And then it kind of died out, nobody knew about it, and then suddenly it's coming back again, well, the terrifying Riverdale Road. Whenever the ghost hunting craze really picks up, people uh, kind of try to get into it themselves, and they have to go to a public location. And, well, this is a very well-known public location. It's an easy one. You don't have to trespass. It's not everywhere on it. Right. It's um, also known as legend tripping, going to these places. It is. Um, trying to recreate the stories. Uh, Riverdale Road, of all the places, and if you're interested in urban legends, don't waste your time looking at any other place. Just go to Riverdale Road. It has every urban legend all in one place. <laughs> and we're about to go over a lot of them. Of course, the lady in white. Now, she's, she's one of those phantoms beside the road that, uh, you know, it, it varies from teller to teller on, on when and why she appears. But, uh, yeah, often she'll make cars crash and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, the, the lady in white, she's the, one of the first ones there. We, we have the phantom boy and the uh, mystical bloody handprint. They say that if you park your car and wait, this is sounding a lot like a certain pair of train tracks at this point, mm -hmm. uh, you may see the little boy and end up with a bloody handprint on the window of your car. Can you clarify where this is? This is on Riverdale Road, which is just east of Colorado Boulevard uh, from about 144th to 104th. I had a friend who lived on that road. I spent a lot of time on that road growing up, and no, nothing ever happened to me. Well, and it's interesting because I'll, growing up, I heard nothing about it, and like he says, maybe 10, 15 years ago, bang, ghost stories everywhere. Well, when I was growing up, it was Tower Road. Actually, Tower is a little farther east. Yeah, but that's where all this stuff was happening, yeah. was on Tower Road when I was growing up. Riverdale sounds creepier. It does. <laughs> so, it's where Archie lives. Yeah. And of course, yes, Archie Comics. Well, 
What? <laughs> Now, I'm surprised that more of you don't know about the gates of hell on the road. I thought that was Colfax. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a good part. That's actually just like purgatory. It's on the way. Yeah. I thought the gates of hell were in California. Sunnydale. Martin is California. There's um, one in Kansas as well. I think there are lots of gates of hell around the states. Now, in doing a little research about... The, the, the supposed gates here, we've discovered that the location of it is actually at a chicken coop, <laughs> which has been there for decades. So, it's the chickens. Sneaky. <laughs> well, you got to sacrifice chickens. Well, that's true. So they're readily available. It makes sense. And, of course, how could it not have a Native American burial ground? <laughs> Yeah, and, it goes without saying. And where is there a Native American burial ground in Colorado? Colorado. Right here. Exactly. <laughs> there are a few locations that were actually... Official? Official, but most of the Native Americans were kind of nomadic, and they just kind of dropped them and kept going. Uh, so all of Colorado. Now we have the murder house and fire. And the thing about it is... Uh, the story goes that this man killed his entire family and then burned down the house to cover the evidence. And we'll talk about that. And not to outdo the phantom hitchhiking girl in white, we have a ghostly bride. I don't know if they're the same person or not, but they're talked about independently. Phantom police officer. That one's, uh, you gotta be careful because he's not always a phantom. But uh, <laughs> he, he is, he's out there as well, and uh, people are thinking they see him. Uh, do you remember what the backstory is on that one? Uh, the backstory, and there's a few versions of it, but basically is it's this officer that that was the only place he ever stayed and you know, watched because, well, so many people die on that road, which is actually a kind of true. It's a really curvy, unlit road with lots of trees around it, and, well, a lot of teenagers go out there, a lot of speeding takes place, and there have been, I can't say more than expected, but a lot of wrecks out there. And because of that, a lot of deaths out there. Uh, but if you do encounter the Phantom Police Officer, he may be chasing the Phantom Black Camaro that's been seen out there. So we're having a Phantom Ghost Police Chase. And the Phantom Black Camaro does like to play chicken. So you have to be aware of that. That's uh, been one of the legends out there on how people are getting killed as they're swerving to miss the Phantom Black Camaro and crashing into a tree or whatever. So, But uh, again, that's one of those urban legends that tends to be everywhere. Now we do have a Phantom Hitchhiker too. He's jogging apparently. <laughs> but unlike the uh, woman in white hitchhiking, this is a guy. And same stories as the, the typical woman in white. They pull up. He's not there. Uh, and it wouldn't be any fun without some good devil worship going on. Uh, now you could probably talk about the bizarre find. Well, you know, the, the, of course, you've, you've always got to have the, 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 the satanic cults and everything out there that are reported, which is a lot of fun for teenagers to, to propagate that one. But uh, 
there was a, a finding out in that area that had nothing to do with devil worship, but the media, uh, the press, they don't know the difference. Uh, it happened to be a, a Santeria thing, where there was a cow's tongue that was sewed shut, and when they opened it up, somebody's photograph was in it. Um, and that was that was out there. And of course, that, oh, it's devil worship. Not quite. If you don't understand it, it's a ghost or a devil worshiper. That's true. Or witches. So not a highway to hell. Uh, not necessarily. Aren't witches, though, devil worshippers in the popular... In the mind's eye mindset? of the public, yes. Yeah. In the reality, well, not no. so much. Yeah. And if I did say that, I know a few people here. Exactly. Ghostly slaves, because, you know, out in rural Colorado, there was so much slavery going on. Uh, but it... It's another urban legend that's been built into its place. Uh, the facts are, it was the location of a coach trail. There's no question about that. There was actually a wagon trail that went through there. In fact, the house that we were called to years and years and years ago sat right in the middle of where the old trail was. Wasn't haunted, but it had a cool history. Uh, a house burned down, nobody was killed. It was just a house fire. Yeah, nobody was killing their entire family. No. Many deaths have happened because it's a dark, winding road. Uh, most of these stories are based on traditional urban legends. Now, I do have one, uh, as of late, that's kind of an interesting one. Happened back in about 1968. Uh, there was a residence there that... Uh, Early in the morning, late at night, depending on how you look at it, uh, a car came careening into the family's lot, I guess. A little bit of a farm. And when they went out to see it, apparently somebody had decided to kill themselves driving down the road. Now, I'm trying to picture the logistics behind this. It could be done, but it seems like overkill. This guy had raced down the road put a shotgun in front of him and blown his head off while driving down the street and ended up, well, parked in their yard, basically. But that is a, a new confirmed death we have for the location. When you get down to it, you always have to have a location like this. Um, you know, Denver's got a few locations like this that are just full of the urban legends and uh, sometimes these locations are hard to find, such as Third Bridge yeah. is a great example. That's what uh, there are a lot of locations that claim to be Third Bridge, and they all have the standard set of urban legends attached to them. And if you go to any small town, any rural small town, they're going to have a bridge somewhere that is haunted by a woman who uh, her children were killed by uh, you know, a drunk driver or something. So now every second Tuesday on a full moon, she's out there walking and causes cars to drive off the bridge into the river. Um, it's, it's another very common one that's all over the United States. Uh, but everybody thinks it's their own. Everybody thinks they own these urban legends. Well, another really don't. popular one is the haunted railroad tracks. Uh, the most famous of the haunted railroad tracks is San Antonio. Uh, where the story is a busload full of school children was hit by a train and they were all killed and now if you park your train on the tracks like a moron, 
Yeah, if you park a train on the tracks, if you park your car on the tracks like a moron, um, ghostly hands will push you across the tracks. And we've been there and done it. Um, yeah, I've been dumb and parked the car on the tracks. It, and the fun thing is, watching urban legends like this, when I was there, it was about a 45-minute wait to park on the train tracks. <laughs> a long line of people waiting. Yeah. And it's like that every night. But it's great because they, they talk about how you can hear the, the, the screams and the wailing of the, the ghosts of the kids, um, you know, I guess as they were getting killed in the train. And if you go during the day, you actually can hear children screaming. They don't mention that there's a ballpark right next to it. <laughs> and you can hear all the kids out there playing, but when you don't realize it at first, it kind of creeps you out a little bit. You're hearing these kids screaming and you're at the fabled, you know, railroad tracks. Well, but, uh, isn't that the one where you park your car, just you know, mm -hmm. supposedly go uphill? Yep. Yeah, because they've tested that, and it's actually it's downhill. Down down hill, so. Gravity hill, yep. Yeah, it's an optical illusion. Yeah, it really is. And the it's really not that much of an optical illusion. If you drive up and look at it, you're like, this is not uphill. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a confirmation bias because you've been told so many times that your car is going downhill. You're pretty much convinced it is. Now, I think when we, we found out though, we talk about the because there wasn't an actual crash that took place there either. No. That was a, a transplant. Um, the the actual crash took place in there was one in uh, Utah, and funnily enough, there was one around here too in Evans. And uh, so those two stories have been kind of melted together and, and transplanted to, to San Antonio. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that uh, at the time there was a lot of media coverage of the event in San Antonio. And uh, not only that, but there are lots of streets around there too that have kids' names. There's Cindy Sue Street and Bobby Street. And so people say, oh, those are the names of the kiddies who died in this accident. Uh, but it turns out that there was an architect or a group of ar architects who designed that area, and those are the names of their children. <laughs> so there are lots of stories to explain why that story was transplanted to San Antonio because it never even took place there. And luckily, they have. A spot that almost seems like you know, if you park your car on it and it magically moves off, well then, hey, there must have been something that happened here to cause that. Yeah. Well, so it was the perfect spot for it to be transplanted to. Well, I did talk to the uh, local ghost hunter who claimed that he was getting fingerprints on the back of the cars. So I asked him. I said, "How are you doing this?" He said, "Well, as a car pulls up, I take a bag of flour and just throw it all over the back of the car, and after it gets done bouncing off the." tracks, there's handprints all over the back of the car. And I asked him one question, which I thought was obvious. I said, so, before the car goes bouncing over the train tracks, do you clean it? <laughs> he says, oh no, fingerprints don't last that long. <laughs> so, so the oil from your hands, every time you close the trunk on your car or whatever, it's still there. Well, now people take baby powder and they spray it all over the back of the car and and invariably, you see fingerprints. Have you guys been out to the Evans one? You said there was one in Evans. Yeah, that, that was where I've driven by, and uh, if you're interested in the story about that, if you go to the old Rocky Mountain News website, one of the last stories that they ran was about an eight-part series. Uh, was it called The Crossing, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. A beautiful story. They interviewed the bus driver and all this. Everybody wasn't killed. There were a few. But it's just, I mean, it's this horrific story of this accident between a this school bus and a train.
budget happened here, you go up there, there's really nobody knows about it, so there's no urban budget. That was one. Well, I heard it. Like I said, I used to live in Greeley, and I heard that one in high school. But that happens in Evans. Like this one train trip. I think it's a matter of um, everyone seems to know someone who knows yeah. someone that uh, was affected by that. I just don't know if there's if there's a gravity hill there. I don't. Yeah, I, you don't actually move. It's it's total urban legend. Okay. You, okay. Your car doesn't actually move, but people say it does, and it never does. It's pretty remote. We'll have to go check it out. Should we talk about a cemetery? How many here have heard of Silver Cliff Cemetery? <laughs> Got a few. Well, Silver Cliff Cemetery is famous for. Uh, having these uh, spirit lights. It's meant to be the most haunted cemetery in the United States, along with just about every other cemetery in the United States. Right. <laughs> every place that claims to be haunted is the most haunted, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where is it? Uh, Silvercliff. Uh, it's down near Westcliff. Three hours it's near Westcliff, south yeah. of Denver. Um, but yeah, right next to Westcliff, and so it was an old mining town. So there are these strange blue flames that were seen there apparently back in 1880 and uh, it's said that they were um, caused by miners who were murdered. Um, oh yeah, they, they died in the, um, the collapse the collapse and stuff. And oh yeah, there, there are also claims that there was a little girl who was buried in the cemetery and that uh, the, the lights are caused by her presence. Uh, also it's a, a Native American Around, yes. um, so it's caused by spirits. The spirits. Um, yeah, there are lots of other stories about it. Yeah. The miners actually have their little lanterns as they're walking through the cemetery, and that's what causes the blue lights. Yeah. Um, so originally it was a, a blue flame, and um, nowadays that's become any kind of light. Red lights, green yellow. lights, yellow lights. They can be circles. They can be flames. Um, lots of different explanations. Lots of different flames. But then came the article. Yeah, and where is that article coming up? Um, so National Geographic, or people say that National Geographic did an investigation. It was a 40-page investigation into these blue lights. And um, in actual fact, it was, I think it dates back to about 1969. Yep. Um, but in actual fact, that was just a, a travel piece about Colorado. And that, that was just a postscript at the end of the article. Uh, the person who was traveling through Silvercliff just visited the cemetery and, and he saw the lights too, but he didn't, it wasn't an investigation, it wasn't this big deal about it all, they just mentioned it because it was something strange in an otherwise forgettable place. Which is something that we tend to do a lot, we kept hearing about this article, they've done this huge, huge investigation and it's been proven to be haunted. And just that, that, that statement is what got passed around. Nobody actually went and looked at the article. And so I had to track down somebody that had a copy of a 1969 Nat Geo, but we've got a copy of it now. Yeah, and it's just a, a very mere mention in there. It's not very detailed at all. It was kind of depressing. It really opened it up. It's like, let's look at this little piece of art. So what are the claims? Uh, this is from a paranormal website. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, like it says, uh, <coughs> bluish orbs that seem to dance among the headstones of Silver Cliff Cemetery. Many people have seen the lights and they have been featured in National <coughs> Geographic. And as you can see in the article, which they have from the local paper about the phenomenon, I believe this is truly haunted popular paranormal sites in the United States. But the fact is, these lights have been seen by numerous people who've gone through it. 
even though not many of you have heard about this place, it does seem to attract a lot of tourists from other states, and even people from overseas. My husband and I went there uh, a couple of times during different seasons to just track the, the, uh, the lights, and there were people there from other countries who were visiting, and it's really popular, and just in the middle of nowhere. But lots of people have seen, so it, it is something going on. And uh, this is the actual clipping from National Geographic. This is just a, a short um, mention of it in the 42-page article. Mm -hmm. So I can't read it from you, but if you want to read a little bit about it, it describes the lights. Yeah, let's see. I recall quite vividly uh, the last such town I visited before leaving Colorado, a place called Silver Cliff in the Wet Mountain Valley, west of Pueblo. Today it counts for or counts about 110 year-round residents. Uh, let's see, go on and on and on. I asked about the lights in the graveyard. I've seen them plenty of times. This is a good night for them. Over, a night for them. Overcast, no moon. And of course, no moon is important. Mm -hmm. The moon affects your ghosts. But uh, here's a cemetery. So um, we did some research into this and found that there was actually an article uh, that predated the National Geographic one in 1969. This is from the New York Times in 1967, and it describes the lights in a completely different way. Um, the National Geographic talks about them as being blue lights, um, and this article from the New York Times talks about it as being a blue flame instead. So it was starting to look like an urban legend that in a two-year period we're getting different descriptions of what these lights are looking like. So we did do a lot of, of different research on our own on what could possibly cause this. And we discovered several different things. Um, you know, we all have rods and cones in our eyes. And uh, there was uh, an extra set of, I believe they were cones, that were discovered uh, several years ago that in very low light conditions, um, they shift everything in the spectrum to blue. So you start seeing more blue. Now when you add onto that something that's uh, known as prisoner's cinema, um, where basically, you know, if you sneeze really hard, if you close your eyes really hard and open them, you can see different things. Those are called phosphenes. Yeah, when you see stars. Yeah. Sneeze or cough Often when you're in a low light situation for a long time, you'll start seeing phosphenes. And they'll start as little flashes. So if you've already got the spectrum being shifted toward the blue, and you're starting to see fast phosphines, and people sit out in the cemetery for a minimum of 45 minutes in the complete dark, because they, it's said they won't see them before then. So they're waiting for a good 45 minutes to see these, these uh, things appear. And uh, then they do. And then they also start seeing all kinds of different colors and everything. And there may be some medical marijuana involved. <laughs> but, yeah, it is Colorado. But the thing is, um, there's, there's a couple of possible explanations within our own eyes that can be causing it. Well, and we also went out there. I was going to say, we witnessed that sort of thing ourselves. And we investigated the Cave of the Winds down in Colorado Springs, and we were stuck in the very far back. Uh, for, for four days, yeah, and uh, wow, do you see some funky things when your mind doesn't know what to make of what it's looking at? Yeah, outside at least there's a little light available, even if you're out in the middle of nowhere. Stars and the moon give you a lot of light. That's why they like you to have a cloudy night with no moon yeah. to see these. Yeah, 
that's reputedly the best time to see these lights. A lot of people go there and camp overnight, and so they're staring into the black sky, looking for something for hours, and yeah, it's true, eventually you do see something. But then there's, uh, if, if you click back one up, yeah. uh, there's something else that's interesting, is they've got these blue reflectors that are stuck out there. And uh, what, uh, when we were out there, we noticed that there, there wasn't a lot of light, but we could see the lights from the town. If you can see the lights from the town, that means on a lot of these really polished, nice headstones, they can reflect the lights of the town. They're made of marble, so they're highly yeah. reflective. They really are. So we thought, okay, well, there's another possibility. But we still wanted to find out where this legend started. If the earliest thing we had been able to find was the New York Times, um, and, and supposedly this is something that had been going on back into the you know 1800s, uh, we thought we needed to look a little bit further in something a little more local than New York. You mean New York doesn't keep up on what Colorado is doing? I think so. So uh, we actually went out there, as I said a number of times, and we found there was a local newspaper called the Wet Mountain Tribune. And it dates back to, I think, 1883. And so this first repeatedly started in 1880. And I got in contact with the editor of the magazine, and I said, or the, the newspaper, and I said, did you do any stories of this back in the 19th century? And he said, not that I'm aware of. The, the only story I'm aware of goes back to the 1950s. And, uh, but we did a story last week, amazingly. So I had a look at this story and it was talking about the haunted lights and it was an old timer who lived there his whole life and he was talking about how he'd seen these lights, he was one of the uh, original people to see them and, and so uh, this story was still around, still alive. Um, so with him giving us this tip off of the 1950s, we went to History Colorado and we thought we're going to try and have a look at the archives for the Wet Mountain Tribune and see if we can go back to the 1950s, but that wasn't much information to go by, and we thought, great, we're going to be sitting there looking through the archives for, for days on end. And uh, we hit pay dirt when we found a, an article from, I think it was 1956, this piece here, um, where can you point it out? A little piece in the corner, it says Silver Cliff Cemetery Ghosts, is it carrying on? Yeah, it's this little guy right here. Yeah, so we discovered that that was the original article, so it goes back to 1956, not 1880. This was the very first sighting of these lights. And um, they actually give a, an explanation right at the end, and it's probably too difficult to see there. But um, I've got it here. The, the author says the most logical explanation, uh, concurred in by many, is that the weird lights are reflections of the street lights in Westcliff, which cast a bluish tinge and would reflect thus on the tombstones of Silvercliff Cemetery, even though they're over a mile away. So it was just very interesting that there's all, this, all these urban legends out there saying that they go back to the 1880s. And here's the original piece that gives the explanation and just the stories that have grown out of this. Well, it, it's been amazing. fun to hear how it actually started. A bunch of teenagers driving down the road next to it. A couple of guys, a couple of girls. The guys were trying to freak out the girls and pointing at these, these you know, ghostly spirits. The girls got freaked out. The guys scored. So that's basically how it started, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny that it, uh, it turns out to be reflections, um, and that's it. So yeah, we, we saw them ourselves too. We yeah, we went out. See them we, the polished uh, headstones yeah. and, and the cars in the distance and from the stars as well. Yeah, yeah. Any any light that you could see with your eyes was enough to reflect off these headstones. They were very shiny. But it's a very small cemetery. In fact, I think. 
Brian has shares in it now. Well, I'm trying to purchase a cemetery plot there. But I've learned that the town is uh, horrible at record keeping. There's one person that takes care of the entire city. I have been negotiating with them for one plot, which in this town sells for $100. I mean, it's nothing. Next week makes a year that I've been in communication with them. And they don't know how many graves they've actually sold. It's no one. I think it's at about 20% capacity, so it's yeah, very sparse. But they still say they don't know what, which ones they've sold. Then it was snowy, and they, they couldn't get to make sure which one it was. Then they had to mow because the grass had grown too. Then the woman that I'm in communication with was in some sort of a horrific car accident. I think something's saying I shouldn't own a plot in the cemetery. So I'm, well, I'm still going to fight for it. For those of you that saw our talk earlier today, uh, we do like to collect strange stuff. And uh, I think a plot in Silvercliff Cemetery would certainly mm -hmm. be on that list. So yeah, I'll make part of the world's most haunted cemetery. I mean, that's so we wanted to make sure our presentation didn't go too long because, like we said, we've got 25 years of experience of investigating things around here and uh, a lot of places even around America. And we wanted to leave a little bit of time if you guys had questions about any place. Oh, and that hand shot right up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't relate to your panel, I've about 10 minutes, but I was wondering if um, you've ever run anything that, that, that you weren't able to keep up. Yes. Uh, lots of things. Um, and it, we don't intentionally go out to debunk things. It says, as we're investigating, if we find bunk, we try to D it. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's basically how we, how we roll. But uh, a lot of ghost hunters go into places with the idea that they're going to go find that ghost and get proof of that ghost. And so they've already made up their minds. That's called a bias. It's, yeah, they got this bias that there is a ghost there. Um, or you've got people that walk in going, there's nothing. This is, this is a waste of time, this is stupid. So you've got the cynic, who for some reason like to call themselves skeptics. But that's not what a skeptic is. A skeptic is someone who has an open mind, who goes in and looks at all the evidence, and then you know doesn't take uh, any answer at face value. And that's how we try to be. We go in not thinking about catching a ghost. We go in not thinking about bunking it, but we ask questions and find out what the truth is. Can you tell me an interesting one that, that you didn't you weren't able to debunk? Sure, sure. Um, where should we start? Yeah, which one do we want? Um, no, Pastor Let's let's talk about. Well, we'll talk about two just off the top here. Um, one was a private residence up in Fort Collins, and uh, they'd been having all kinds of strange problems, and this family was terrified. So when they called us up, they uh, let's say people don't always act rationally when they think their house is haunted by something that's really terrifying them. So they were all gathered together, you know, for protection in what they considered the most haunted room in the house. I'm thinking, why are you in the most haunted room in the house if you're terrified of it? Um, but that's, they were all trying, that's where they would go to sleep, and they all were sleeping together in the one room. Um, so we like to try to recreate the same conditions uh, when we're not there, as, as, as if we were there. You see a lot of these ghost hunters walk in and they go, lights out. Well, if the person didn't have the experience in pitch blackness, we don't want to just throw the situation into complete blackness. We want to recreate what, you know, what it was when they saw it or experienced their experience. 
So we were trying to get these guys just to carry on their evening like they normally would. And at this time of the night, wouldn't you guys be sleeping? So they're like, well, we're terrified. We're not going to go in there unless Brian goes in there with us. Now, I know this sounds like the start of penthouse letters, but it's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> not. Uh, I will say that Brian did get slapped. That's true. Uh, well, it's interesting, because when they said that, I'm like, what am I going to do? If, if the big green thing jumps out of the closet and attacks, it's attacking me too. But sure, why not? So throughout the night, we had different members of the family going in and sleeping. And towards the, I don't know, middle of the night, a couple of them went in, went to sleep in the bed. I was, well, I'm not hopping in bed with them, so I'm sitting at the foot of the bed. But this is like he was talking about, this is one of the few times that we actually had all the lights out. Because, well, what happens when you sleep, you turn the lights out. We do have cameras that can see in the dark. They don't see ghosts, they see in the dark. It's a big difference. Uh, but the thing is, while I was sitting there, all of a sudden, it felt like somebody was slapping me in the side of the face. And, you know what that's like, too. And I know that feeling. <laughs> so, the video, which will never, ever be seen, uh, because I was looking like a complete idiot. I'm just looking around and trying to figure out what's slapping me. It's in the dark, and it was just bizarre. But there's nothing there on the video. But I can tell you, I felt something slapping me in the side of the face. Now, is there a logical explanation for this? Possibly. I've been sitting up all night listening to these people tell me horrifying stories about their house, and now they've locked me into a dark, scary room. Psychologically, that's not that good. I've been awake for like 40 hours at this point. Your mind is not your friend at that point. Uh, so there are reasons that that may have happened, but there's real, really no proof of what could have caused it. Okay. Right. I'll explain. That raises a good point. I think with a lot of these claims and stories, all you can do is offer possible explanations for the phenomenon. You can't. You can try and recreate what's happened, but often it's a one-off thing, and uh, it's very difficult to actually solve. You can just posit possible explanations. Well, that is important. You know, we we know that you can't prove a negative, so we don't claim any place isn't haunted because you can't prove a negative. So uh, except melting pot, they're not haunted, but. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, we, we really don't, you know, try to say, oh, it's absolutely not haunted. We just say, you know, there are logical explanations. And when you come down to it, ghosts have scientifically never been proven. So we're, we're careful about, you know, what we say in that sense. Um, but we did have another incident down in uh, Colorado Springs in a church. It was um, converted into a newspaper office, Colorado Springs independent. And they had all kinds of claims of seeing a priest wandering around, hearing a ghostly choir sing, uh, or an angelic choir sing uh, often. And there was all sorts of, of interesting claims going on there. But about uh, 3 o'clock-ish in the morning, um, Brian and I are sitting at the end of a long hallway. By my feet, I have a camera going down, you know, facing down the hallway. At the end of the hallway, there's a camera facing back. In the middle of the hallway, there's another hallway that crisscrosses uh, over the top of it uh, perpendicular. So, and that one led into the uh, bathrooms that were there. So Brian and I are sitting there talking, and suddenly I see a woman walk across the hall. 
And strangely enough, she wasn't in Victorian dress. No, no, she was dressed modern. She was, you know, uh, fully opaque. I couldn't see through her. She looked like a normal person, and she walked right through uh, and headed into the women's bathroom. Well, the thing is, is nobody was there. That we, you know, we were locked into this building. There was nobody else there. So of course, you know, uh, we ran, checked the bathrooms. Nobody was there. Uh, Brian didn't see it. I saw it. So we ran the video back to look at the what the cameras had caught. They caught me freaking out. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's all they caught. So again, uh, three o'clock in the morning. We had been awake a long time, hearing all the scary stories. I had had a burrito earlier that night. <laughs> a very, very big burrito that, that was baby-sized. Um, so there's no telling what my mind was doing at that, at that point. But it is one of those things that I simply cannot explain. And uh, I love those stories because they keep us going. You know, these little things that happen to us keep us going, but unfortunately they're not proof of anything. But you would be amazed how much fun it is when we do explain something. It's, it's as good as finding a ghost, really, when we go, oh, this is what it is. We end up learning a lot about science. Yes, we do. So, um, in one second, you had a question? Um, actually, my, uh, my cousin runs a paranormal investigation equipment uh, company, and I haven't had a chance to ask him, what brought you guys into doing this? Into, uh, like, ghost busting? Uh, fear. Too or hunting. <laughs> Alcohol? Yeah, for, for me, it, it began as fear that turned into fascination. All right. And the fear was seeing The Exorcist when I was 11. And so I thought, you know, she was 13 when she got possessed in that movie, so I got two years. <laughs> what about the alcohol? That, that was an interesting... The alcohol was because of what he woke up next to afterwards. Um, oh, okay. The reason that I really got involved in it is I was always told that the horror movies were fake. Mm -hmm. And then people were starting to say that this sort of thing is really happening. And I started looking at what, and this was back in the mid-90s, people were claiming were proof of ghosts. And as I'm looking at it, I have a background in photography. I was just blown away. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I, I can explain this. So just be able to figure it out for myself kind of got into this for that reason. Why did you get into it? Oh, I did work experience with a group uh, back in Australia, if you can't tell, I'm Australian, uh, called the Australian Skeptics, and uh, this was back in the 1990s, and they wanted me to go undercover to a number of alternative therapists and to do an investigation into them. So I've seen aura readers and uh, homeopathists, different kinds of weird therapists, and uh, I just went to see them and they gave me a diagnosis of all kinds of things. Some said I had cancer or I had thyroid disease or all different kinds of things. And um, then I went to see a, a medical doctor who ran a, a number of tests and said they were all incorrect and um, there's nothing wrong with you at all. Gave me a clean, clean bill of health. And so I wrote about that for uh, their magazine. And since that point, I've just been involved in lots of different um, research into psychics and ghosts and um, all kinds of strange claims. So I've been doing that for almost as long as these guys. Go ahead. The, uh, the lady you were talking about that you saw in the church, yes. did you try to do any communication with her? Or was it like, oh... It was so fast. Yeah, it was so fast. So how fast, I mean, was it like a split second you saw her? Or? Um, yeah, it was, she was she walked across the end of the hallway. Across the hallway, yeah, and so... what year guard would you say she was in? Uh, a modern. 
Myers. Yeah, she had a um, she had a, a skirt on. She had a, 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 a I believe it's like a peach colored skirt that went down past her knee. Uh, she had a blouse, kind of loose fitting, flowered print, um, and uh, her hair was uh, kind of a chestnut brown, just past her shoulders. You just have a lot of time to see that. It's uh, well, it was one of those things where. I happened to be looking right down the hallway, you know, in, in mid-sentence with Brian when she walked across, and it was just, it burned. But you didn't try any communication with her and say, hey, sorry, we just saw that you. Point, she was gone. She was gone. It was, uh, I saw it, I was like, ah. Did she look and at you at all? No. Because I had a, a, we were up at Cribble Creek, and everybody knows Cribble Creek. So yes. Um, and so I'm sure just in some respect. But we were at the San Nicholas, but we were staying at the Double Eagle. So we were leaving the Double Eagle, and the guy was shuttling us up to the San Nicholas Hotel. And um, we were just telling him, yeah, we're going on a ghost hunt and everything. And we, we had a, he almost slammed on the brakes and wrecked because he had a story that happened to him when he was little. That he was sleeping, and his, um, he was getting ready to do chores. He was just sleeping in a little hour, and he should And he felt this little tap on his chest, like boom, 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 really hard. He goes, oh, shit, yeah. You know, so he opens his eyes, and this lady's looking down at him, and she just smiles, stands up, and walks right through the wall. And he sat up, and he looked, he sat there, and he says, I just wait for her to come back. And she didn't come back. <laughs> but I was waiting. I waited like a half hour. <laughs> it's like, but he almost wrecked the car to tell that story. I mean, yeah, that's how much he believed yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, there's some amazing ones. Yes? What about the Stanley Hotel? Oh, well, we could go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just say, because we're getting ready to get kicked out of here, so let's yeah. just say that the Stanley Hotel, uh, we, uh, we hold the distinction of being one of the only paranormal groups that is no longer welcome at the Stanley Hotel. That's <laughs> 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 my voice. Those of you who have come up to the table know that I I don't have much one left. I'm happy that I'm actually able to speak Yesterday, I barely got through airport security, and I was walking, squeaking all over the place. Yeah, they had no idea what I was talking about. You get a go from bad flu, but I'm slowly coming back, so I'm saving my voice for this, this moment right here. So, um, before we get into the questions, I just want to say it's, it's been a while since I've done a uh, show that's been going on for a very, very long time. Family run one like this. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great seeing generations of, of friends and family doing this stuff over and over again. It's always it's heartwarming. It's nice to see. And like you guys have been very, very hospitable and welcome, and I really appreciate it.
I can name off the top of my head from places that I've been that I really want to go back. I've been to Tokyo twice. And um, yeah, for those of you who have been, it's an incredible place. I mean, I'm Canadian, and the population of Canada fits in Tokyo. There's 33 million people in that city. But the Japanese are fascinating. They're, they're so incredibly organized and efficient. They're not very, they're not wasteful at all. So I guess you can't be city like that. You know, they use uh, even the serviettes that you have every day in restaurants. They uh, they, they make those from a uh, like a renewable plant, like a, uh, a weed that grows quite quickly, like bamboo or something. So you know, these things are you know they're organic and they break down. They're just they're on top of everything, man. They're on top of their water usage. They're, uh, it's a fascinating thing, man. The architecture there is incredible. You see brand new, sprawling, you know, skyscraper. And then you see an ancient Chinese, or sorry, Japanese uh, traditional temple right in the middle of the city, right beside it. The juxtaposition is just incredible. So I'd like to go back, not Tokyo. I'd like to check out other parts of Japan. You know, every once in a while you just need a little sun, some cold beers. Mexico's always good for that. Pardon me? I have not. Have you? I hear it's incredible there. I'll put it on this. I'll check it out. Thank you, sir. Hi. Oh, she's back. My favorite. I always like playing as an angel in Supernatural. Always like playing an angel in Supernatural? Well, thing is about that show, <clears throat> it's very rare, as you know, when the show goes as long as it, as it has. Uh, that's, I'm sure most of you know, any of the Supernatural fans, it got picked up for a 12 season. Yeah. It's so, so rare. There are so few shows up there that go that long. Um, and I've told the story many times, but that's a testament to the lead to the show. Jerry Jensen weren't the humble, kind, um, professional young men that they are. You know, that show would have gone as long as it has. Everything comes down from the top. It's all about the leads of the show. They set the precedent, they create the energy. They, um, you know, the, you, you go on that show, it's like a big happy family. Everybody, uh, many of them have been working on the show since the jump. This is the very beginning. It, you know, that show was shot in my city, Vancouver. So, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about those two. And uh, they're just they're fantastic human beings. They're family men now. And they're just they're incredibly humble. Two men who are so so successful. And uh, you know, the fan base is is like no other. Just, I use the term a lot, but you guys are rabbits. <laughs> incredibly loyal, but you're rabbits. You can't get enough of Supernatural. So working on that show was a fantastic experience. Had a really good time. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Uh, I know it only lasted two seasons, but do you have any favorite memorable or funny moments working on the set of Dollhouse? Tell you if 
Yes. Mm -hmm. um, he's a fantastic actor, as you know. I mean, Harry's done everything. He's been around for years. He played Boy on Dollhouse. We had to, uh, we had an incredibly long day uh, planned. But we were shooting a number of scenes, and a uh, bunch of the fight scenes. It's like 5 a.m. Those really early mornings. And Harry and I were discussing the merits of warming up before you go fencing. And we're waxing on and on about it. We're talking about different injuries. And Harry's talking about how he blew his quad, uh, shooting more when we wanted because he didn't warm up. And we're sitting there discussing this while drinking coffee and snacking at the crafty table. Okay? Yeah, you gotta warm up, you know. It's Coffee, I mean, it's the most important thing in everything. We're talking all about this, about how essential it is to do this before a fight scene. We were just about to do a fight scene. <laughs> so we're so tired and not awake yet, and hope the coffee's gonna work, and we're so deep in our discussion. Suddenly, they, they set up the shot a lot quicker than uh, anticipated. I had the intention of warming up a bit, and suddenly we had to go. Sure enough, we started this fight scene, and um, and I didn't warm up, and I felt this little bang right in my quad, right in the middle of the scene, and it was the weirdest injury I've ever had because my quad just wouldn't work anymore. Like I couldn't lift my leg, but in the middle of the scene, I didn't want to break the scene because it was, it was a good scene, it was going well, so I was just kind of doing the best I could. The problem is we had six more hours of that. Harry and I were supposed to do a scene. That, that fight was supposed to uh, go up a set of stairs, and at one point, Josh came over and he's like, okay, don't get me wrong, because I didn't tell him that I was hurt. Um, he said, did I, were you lifting your leg? Were you doing this for the stairs? And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, how are you doing? And I go, blew my quad about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> like this work. He's like, oh my god, I mean, we'll try and work around. I'm like, nah, that's okay, I'll just, just shoot it this way up. So, he shot around it, but my, my quad wasn't working too well. So, I, I don't know, that, I hope that's, that's funny enough for you. <laughs> I should have sure felt like an idiot. I'll take that. Always warm up. Hi. Thanks for being here when you're sick. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. There was no way I was going to not show up. I was just thinking I was going to request for a chalkboard or something. Instead of Q&A, we do charades. Um, speaking of fight scenes, um, you do a lot of fighting. You choreograph your fighting. And I see you as kind of action hero guy. And I'm wondering if you could play a superhero or an anti-hero. If you could play any of them, who would you want to be? Um, I mean, I'd just be glad to play one, you know? It would, it would be awesome. I, I, you know, I was a comic fan, like a lot of people when I was young. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to play one specifically if I could, that, you know, had a, a martial arts background. That would be fun, but he doesn't have to, you know? I'd, I'd be game for any. Do you, do you have any ideas which one I'd yeah, um, <laughs> figure it out quick because I'm going to call Joss right after this. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to me.
For those who haven't seen it, check it out. You can watch it in under an hour. It's a, it's a web series I did. And uh, the episodes are five to seven minutes long. You can see it on Geek and Sundry. You can see it on Con TV. Uh, it's called Rift World. It's a comedic little thing about a, a wizard who ends up in the wrong dimension. Hi. My question is, if you could go 500 years into the past, or 500 years into the future on a one-way trip, what would you do and why? Well, while my brain works that out, what would you do? That's a politician trick. It is. That's an excellent question. Now let me pose that to you. What would you do? I would go into the future because I want to see what technology is like. Yes. You know, I am an optimist. Uh, I am indeed, but I'd be really, really worried about the state of the planet in 500 years. Y'all all can be honest with you. <laughs> because things, things aren't, aren't in the best way right now. We need to, uh, we need to switch things up. Yeah. Really aggressively. There's only so many resources on this planet. There's a whole lot of people. We're cleaning through our water and everything very, very quickly. Uh, so maybe 500 years have passed. Yeah. Um, where would I want to do that? You know what? I would like to do that where my mother's people are from, on my mother's side of my family. So where I was born and raised in the Yukon. I think it'd be really interesting to go 500 years in the past to see how my ancestors were living at that time. I think that'd be pretty fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hey, buddy. Hey. He's back. He had a bunch of questions for me on my table. No, I just got one right now. You just got one? Okay, yep. that's good. Shoot. Um, who do you think would win that fight? Dean Winchester or Sam Winchester? Sam. Sam. Well, I think it really depends. Like most brothers, it'd be a good fight. It would depend on what they were fighting about in the timeless situation. I think Big Brother's pretty rugged. But I think, I think, you know, he might win more times than not, but if he really, really pissed off little brother, little brother might give him up. But what? Because, uh, He's an old man. He's a big boy. Jared's a big boy. The both big guys. Actually, Jensen's big too. It's just Jared's so tall, he makes Jensen look short, which he isn't. He isn't at all. He's a big guy. Let's just let's just hope for brother we love. Thanks, buddy. Hi there. Hi there. You've talked about supernatural being family. Being on the show, being like part of the family, and I know that with the fans it's that way too. Is there any other show you've worked on where you've had that same family type feeling? Oh yeah, uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I've never been on a show with, with the experience that I had, with the love, the respect, and the, uh, the quality of work writing and the, the investment in the show and the, and the love for it as, uh, as Battlestar Galactica. 
nothing's coming here really, not for me personally. But, you know, of course, I'm a little bit biased because I was on the show, but, <laughs> you know, critically, that show got a, a lot of, a lot of clean, it was pretty, it was a pretty powerful show, and uh, I'm still very close with most of the people on the show. You know, we were, we were a part of something very, very special, and uh, a part like that stands the test of time. And uh, I think that show will be relevant for a very long time. And uh, that makes me very proud to be a part of something like that, you know. And uh, I love the fact that we are so, so close. You know, I was just staying with one of my castmates and his family for the last month in L.A. And, uh, you know, a lot happened in those five, six years that we did that show together. You know, we got married, there was a the breaks between the two British actors, they had a whole bunch of babies. These kids aren't babies anymore, they're growing up in front of our eyes, it's wild. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. So say we all. Hi, hey, uh, so spending off that, a question about Galactica. In season one, Hilo is uh, very isolated from the rest of the crew of Galactica, we stuck on Caprica. Did you ever feel, uh, as a cast member, that you were stuck, uh, you were separated from the rest of the cast, and, and how was that uh, eventually reuniting with them both as a fictional character and as a cast member? No, that's a good question, man, because, uh, you know, I, I was, for a large portion of that season, I was, I was running around the woods, you know, I was running around the cabin, I was trying to survive, and, uh, you know, the, the only other actor I was really working with was, uh, was primarily Grace Park played Hilo, and so you know, we had a huge ensemble on that show. There was a lot of actors. They were all working together daily, you know, day in and out in the studio, the confines of the studio. It's pretty intimate. <laughs> and um, and I was running around, you know, doing my thing on Planet, which I loved, by the way, which was great. But I was definitely kind of on my own show. It was like the, <laughs> the Hilo show down on the planet. <laughs> so. I remember even going to the studio when, you know, the storyline, I get back, I get back to the ship, and I went to the studio, and so a lot of people didn't know who I was, and they were trying to, were trying to usher me to the, uh, to the background's tent a couple times. What are you doing here? What are you, what are you, you're supposed to be getting right there. I, I'm, no, I'm supposed to be, like, background tent, over this way, now. <laughs> really aggressive PAs, and I get, okay, I'm, I'm heading there right now. Walk in, walk up the back of the tent. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd be in the studio, you should have seen the Galactica, man, it was incredible. They, that thing was built. We had hallways and stuff. I think I got lost a couple times, was hanging on pipes, <laughs> asking for help. <laughs> help, I'm lost. I'm new here. I'm totally new here. Yeah, so I, I was definitely separate from the show somewhat, so it took a bit. Very much in the storyline. I mean, it's like imitating art. You know, I was I was outside. I was the guy who was, you know, who impregnated the enemy. So it was, um, you know, the actors and us. We we all believed in the show. We got very into our storyline. So there was a lot, a little bit of conflict between us too in the beginning. And I own that storyline, man. Jimmy Bamber and I'd be arguing about uh, regularly <laughs> on set. It was great, though, man. It was, you know. As I said, one of the finest experiences I've ever had. 
Thank, Thank you. you. stories from working on trick or treat? Um, they made me wear spandex. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable. Pardon me? It wasn't comfortable. Uh, <laughs> it was about 26 below. Zero. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. I, Mike Doherty, the director and writer, was like, yeah, I, I went into the day and then I looked at the outfit and it was like, it's spandex. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't wear spandex. I don't wear spandex. I'll wear spandex. I'm like, wait, do I have to wear this? And he's just like, yeah. I'm like, my goodness, this is ridiculous. It's 26 below. It's like, what are you doing this to me? He's like, I love it. <laughs> I'm the director. You gotta wear it. I'm like, my, please. I, there was no talking to him. So I wore the spandex for the duration of the movie. And, uh, <sighs> I'm still traumatized by this. Thank you. Give, give me a moment to collect myself. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Fantastic experience. Mike is so talented. They had so many incredible actors on that. That show would have been so much bigger. It would have been a cult. It is a cult classic, but it would have been so much bigger. It, it would have been huge. It was, you know, if it was released after we did it, it took almost three years for that show to release. It was two studios who were arguing over it. They were having a sword fight, so the show didn't get released for years. It's, it's just, it's a shame. Was that hard to you? <laughs> 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 that Yes. Yes. This question, you heartless. <laughs> I, are you following me? I swear to God, we met at a few different shows. You look really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just wondering what has been your favorite place to snowboard and what is one place that you really want to go that you haven't been to yet? Um, favorite place? I mean, I'm spoiled because I've had epic days in Whistler, which is my hill, and Whistler when it's on point. It's got a huge power, it's pretty incredible. Well, Whistler goes. Our powder is, you know, it's a little damper up there, so you've got you to have some strong ass legs to, to get a full day in. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to be built like a Clydesdale because <laughs> your, your legs will get, you know, you get 30, 38 cents of fresh or something, and you're <laughs> straight legged down the middle, just trying not to drown in the snow and make it to the bottom. But Revelstoke? Has anybody ever heard of Revelstoke? It's a massive hill, the same size as Whistler, but steeper, faster. Uh, it's in northern BC, close to the Alberta border, and that is some of the finest riding I've ever done. Incredible. Because the interior is colder, the snow is more, it's more that champagne powder. It's a beautiful thing. But then again, my very, very, very best experience was heliboarding. Um, but yeah, that's some dangerous stuff, so I think that's probably part of the reason I'm so Yeah. Get all those lessons. Hi. Hello. Um, so I was wondering what brought you to the Zen for Minds um, project and why you're involved in it and any other plans to do more of 
more with that? Well, what brought me to it was uh, I know Joanne and I worked with her for a bit, and she's an incredible woman, and, and she had an idea, and then we discussed her idea, and we, we turned it into a, a, a somewhat different idea. We made that idea grow, and, and it was, I mean, it was mostly hers. I just added to it, and, uh, and then it became what it's become. I, I shared with her, I thought it'd be something I'd really like to share with, uh, with fans and wherever I could because, you know, I have this podium and I have this ability to do this uh, with my career, with my job. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, for those who don't know, know Central Minds is, is a, uh, it's a meditation site that I support. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, it's, it's, you know, it's not really for profit. Uh, you can set up like a year's worth of meditations for you know, three cups of coffee, basically. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. For those of you who haven't tried meditation, you know, I encourage you to check it out. You don't have to use the set of minds. You can, you can access meditation, obviously, on the internet very easily. You can book. It's very, it's, it's, it seems daunting to a lot of people. It seems, uh, I don't know, some, some, some people are just against it. I would encourage you, if there's anything ailing you in your life, or you're having issues with anything from health to stress, communication with your family, learning, memory, uh, uh, anxiety, sadness, happiness, anything, anything, trust meditation. It's really about being mindful, throughout clearing your head, and just our brains tend to be so overactive. What doesn't help is the technology that we have these days where we're all you know, addicted to our phones, we're constantly distracted, we're looking for the next stimuli. It's good to shut off every once in a while. You know, start your day with it, maybe end your day with it. And uh, meditation's been a huge thing for me in my own life, dealing with stresses and loss. And, uh, and, uh, and it's really benefited me. And whenever I get away from it, I, I come back to it, I always close me away how dramatic the results are. So I try to share that with people. Um, and uh, I guarantee you're not going to have a negative result. You're not going to do meditation and like, damn, I wish I could do that. <laughs> that was just, I got relaxed and clear headed. Endorphins were rushing, it was horrible. <laughs> just, you know, what happened? It's, it's only going to bring positive to your life. So yeah, if you want to try it out, Check out Zen for Minds, or it says, you know, meditations on the internet. Uh, I would encourage you to do it and to get your camera on it. It's a very, very healthy practice. And, uh, you know, for years there, there wasn't a lot of medical research to support it. Now there is significant universities doing studies on it, talking about improving gray matter. Um, you're, 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 you're increasing the strength of your brain by meditating regularly. That's a fact. There's studies out there that prove that now. So. That's an Together. And I know your voice is great for it. Um, Maybe that's so much right now. Even your voice now is great. Um, but, <laughs> I, but I came to it through you know, seeing it on Twitter, and then um, I am kind of expanded into some of the other uh, recordings that are there. And, and all of them are just really high quality. So I Excellent. Well, I'll be doing more. I'll be doing more. So thank you for the support. Yeah. Hello. 
Hi. So she basically took my question. How dare she? How dare she? So maybe like an on the fly question. Um, Marvel or DC, and which character in those fandoms would you want to like play? Hmm. Both. I know, but I do like both Marvel and DC. And growing up as a kid, you know, it really depends. I, I wasn't one of those guys who was like, I'm totally Marvel man, but it's really DC. I hate DC. You know, I, you gotta, you gotta respect both man. There's, there's, there's fantastic characters in each one. You have to pick them. Okay, fine. Ah, <laughs> oh, I hate this pressure. Yeah. They say I have to meditate. Um, you know what I love? I love the Punisher. I really love the Punisher. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Um, for suicide awareness and mental health and all that. Yeah. Wondering um, what cause is really close to your heart and what kind of t-shirt would you want to do if you were to do a, a campaign like that? Well, I mean, those causes are, 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 are fantastic causes. Teaching a lot to them. Um, you know, I, I would just give my moral support to those in particular. But I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Um, I really have to think about it. You know, since talking about suicide, it's a major issue in Canada, in, uh, in First Nation communities, in Native American communities. The, 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 the levels are higher than any other ethnic group by far. It's sad. It's terrifying. There's a there's a tiny community in in, uh, in Manitoba who just the other day uh, declared a state of emergency. Six people committed suicide in a month. Six. We're talking community probably like maybe a thousand. Imagine how devastating that is. It's uh, breaks my heart. It's close to home. It's a subject that's very close to home to me. I don't even like talking about it, but it's, it's so we need these things that need to change. There's one thing that's really unfortunate about my business is the uh, superficiality of it, the, the, the ridiculous stereotypes, the, 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 the images specifically for females that are promoted are really, really fucking unhealthy, man. It's disgusting. And, and, and you know, we have generations of young girls and young boys who are growing up, especially a lot of them in these first nation communities, who are so opposite of what is considered by popular media as pretty and beautiful. Can you imagine growing up in a small, isolated community? And it's really hard to really retain or really have some sense of, uh, of, uh, of beauty and feeling like you're pretty. And, and, and regardless of your build and how it may be so different from that, we don't do enough to support our kids in these communities these days. And, um, it's something that needs to change, and it's something that I've thought about for a long time. I need to, I need to do more to help that. I don't know how exactly, but it's it's sad. Yeah. It's a state of emergency in my country, in particular. You know, it's uh, these, these native communities, uh, specifically the Inuits, are worse hit by just tremendous rates of suicide. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It breaks my heart even talking about it. But uh, that's that's a cause I would definitely champion and, and lend my name to and my time to in any way capacity I could.
Thank you so much. Yeah. Peter Mayhew, did you 
Really? The originals of Mama. He was where? Main Tech, well, a few years, but one day. Hey, I like him. I like him. He's my main brother. He's my Tory brother. We tend to be stuck. Yeah, I met him. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just wondering if you know, you're stubborn, so you like to pray. No, I'm not stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> no. I hope you're going to have your birthday. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi. Uh, are you a fan of The Walking Dead for stuff? Um, yes, but I'll be honest with you. I watched the first season. Since then, I've only caught okay. episodes here and there. And I don't like watching things out of order. For any reason, I've been avoiding it. Okay. But, um, so my question, uh, kind of related to that, I think if you've seen season one, you've got enough of a hold on it. It's, uh, it's a fantastic show. I read the graphic novels. I was being considered for one of the for one of the main characters. I, I had a long meeting with Frank Darabont about that. And, and unfortunately, Frank was squeezed out of the story. The Frank Darabont, the, the Academy Award winner. Was after the first season by AMC, they didn't have a uh, they didn't have a very nice party. And so that was going to go there. Like, when are we going to see you on the Walking Dead? Because like, it's the same. I mean, you're in, in this world. You're kind of. Oh, you didn't realize? What's that? No, you didn't realize that I was on it. <laughs> but kind of like Johnny Depp was on it. No, 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 no. I was on it. I was that zombie who was lifting his head. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I was available, 
and the storyline was good, they brought me back for a few episodes, of course. Yeah, that'd be great. These guys become dear friends of mine. Uh, you know, I, I really like Jared Jensen and Misha the whole game. I'd go back and work with them in a second. It was fun. I've never done anything like that. I think they're, uh, they really missed an opportunity with, uh, with him and Castiel. It's dry and dry. The humor there, you know? They uh, really shared that, really, that one or two scenes together. They really had that opportunity, so we'll see. Maybe it could still happen. Thank you. Hello. What's your favorite episode of Battlestar to film? What's your favorite episode? <laughs> to, to watch. Oh, so many. <laughs> what's your favorite? <laughs> um, I mean, 33 was amazing. Right? 33 was pretty incredible. Water was incredible. Um, so many. Something that's wrong with people 
do often is they want to know exactly how much blood you are, like well, how much percentage are you exactly? You know, the people are really curious about that. It's that's, that's not that's not important. You know, if you if you came from that, that is in your blood. That's who you were raised by. You don't, you don't need to explain that. Um, uh, I, I I was raised, you know, in a very small, isolated northern community, and all my family on my mother's side are mostly on the Alaskan side in, in a tiny community uh, on the Yukon side. And I was the minority. I, I was the only white boy around. And uh, like I said, I got my ass spoken more than a few times. But um, it's okay, it made me who I am. You know, you gotta grow to love yourself, regardless of the color of your skin. You know, it's everybody's got a story. You can't just judge a book by its cover. You know, everyone's got rich and diverse history, and hopefully they celebrate it when we get to a point in time where we all celebrate each other's diversity and each other's cultures. We have mutual respect for that because, you know, intolerance is what's killing this world right now. Check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Right. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.